Welcome to You Love Life, a podcast, an exploration about love, sex, romance, marriage, monogamy, and intimacy. And I'm your host, Roman Wyden. Welcome back to a very special episode. Today, my guest is Aaron. Aaron is a producer in Hollywood. He makes movies. He develops and produces media in general, also organizes high-profile events in Hollywood film festivals, so to speak. And he is what I've sort of gathered from earlier. He's in the process of possibly becoming an advocate for the bisexual community. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you. Very happy to be here. I'm excited. Can I go? Can I ask questions now? <laughs> yeah, you can go. You, well, I've, I can tell you've been like just waiting to ask me all the questions. This is what I've been working up to. Well, you know, bisexuality, uh, it, it, you know, I'm right now a straight person. Um, I'm married. I have a family. But I'm aware of bisexuality from my field of my point of view, meaning you are uh, sexually or humanly attracted to both sexes, right? Male, female. Um, actually, that's a really great place to start. There's a misnomer about that, which oh, no. is that um, the actual definition of bisexuality, which a lot of people are confused about, is not man, woman. It's actually your same gender and any other gender. Okay, so then, for example, it could be if you're uh, gay, but uh, wait, oh, that's going to get confusing super fast. But let's say you're, no, then I guess you would be gay. So if you're bisexual and you are a man, you might also be attracted to a shemale? Um, I, or as, transsexual? Like, it means if you're a man, you might be attracted to another man. You might be attracted to a woman. You might be attracted to a trans woman, which is technically just a woman. Um, and, or a non-binary person or a gender fluid person. Non-binary? What's non-binary? Non-binary basically is just not male or woman. That's, that's literally the best way to describe it. So So non-binary just means you don't identify. Some non-binary people feel very androgynous. Um, it's, it's basically just, if you accept that gender identity as a whole is just a social construct as opposed to something like sex, which is what you're born as Mm -hmm. the gender identity, which is, which is about the individual, right? Is, you know, we've lived in very rigid gender identity kind of place for about the last say a hundred years where like men were supposed to be this way. They're supposed to be very masculine and strong and they, you know, They worked and women stayed home with the children and women are like this and women are feminine and women are soft and women are emotional, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you feel like gender identity? I mean, (laughs) what comes to my mind is like, why can't we just be who we are and feel attraction uh, moment to moment and then voice that and say, oh, you know what? I met a person and happens to be a X, Y, whatever gender identification is for them. And now we're hanging out. We're attracted. We may have sex. We may not. We may have a relationship, maybe friends. And then I move on. Right. That's ideally where we yes. could so be heading. You actually basically just described what my personal hope belief is for the future of humanity, which mm-hmm. is to not worry about the gender of the person that you 
fall in love with, are friends with, are sexually attracted to, are yep. romantically attracted to, yep. whatever it is. Um, so you're that we fall- stop focusing on that and we focus on who is this individual to me. Yeah. And, and of course, that's from my own experience, right? You know, I mean, I... Uh, I'm bisexual, so I'm attracted to potentially, I have the potential to be attracted to anyone. That doesn't mean I am attracted to anybody. But it doesn't mean that if you are bisexual, you have the potential to be attracted to anyone because you could just say, I like men and women, and you're still, you're still bisexual, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I know... Yeah, so the best definition I could possibly give you, and mm. this is by Robin... Ouch. And it's, it's not only my favorite, but it's the one that I feel like as a whole, the bisexual community really wants people to understand, which is, and I quote, the potential to be attracted romantically and or sexually to people of more than one sex and or gender, not necessarily at the same time, not necessarily in the same way, and not necessarily to the same degree. So it kind of covers all the bases. It doesn't mean that it's a 50-50% split, which a lot of people have misconceptions about. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I am constantly attracted to men to a certain degree and then women to another degree. Some people who are bisexual only like men and women. Some people who are bisexual love all genders. Like I believe I have the potential to be attracted to any gender. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's all a very personal relationship with their sexuality. So you're really more attracted to the being at first, or is it, uh, have you had instances, you've had sex with both men and women? I have. Uh, more men or more women, if you had the percentage? Uh, I, have had, I have had sex with more women than men. Okay. Percentage would be what, 60, 40? No, more like probably 70, 75. 70, 25. Oh, okay. Yeah. 75, 25. And what about, um, uh, have you ever felt attracted to a transgender person or? I have found transgender people attractive. I've never personally dated one. Physically attractive. Physically attractive, emotionally attractive, romantically attractive. Okay. You know, the soul of that person. I find intellect very attractive. So that is a big thing that, you know. So it's really preference, right? If you meet someone and you're intellectually attracted they may end up being whatever sex they are or gender and you yeah. just go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Non-binary person, exact same way. Gender fluid person, you know, sometimes um, non-binary, non-binary people, for example, they uh, are very, you know, of that sort of what a lot of people think of as androgynous, which is very kind of between a man or a woman. And, and I've actually found people like that to be sort of like really... Interesting. And what about, I, I know this is, there's, for me, there's a large spectrum. It starts with like a cross dresser, somebody who's like, or even in the closet likes to wear women's clothes, but doesn't really is married or something, you know, I know mm-hmm. someone like that. Uh, is that also considered a, is cross dressing a gender identity or is that more of a fetish? Um, I think it, it also depends on the person. There's very much a spectrum there. There are straight men who like to wear women's clothing Mm -hmm. as a fetish there are you know people who are who are trans who you know generally are the opposite gender of the sex they were born into and of course you know i think it's very valid and i think that we should validate those people um there are um, there are straight men that are drag queens and drag queen, um, just to, you know, kind of set the record straight is a performance art and it has a lot more to do with 
the performance itself. It, it's yeah. not an identity. And a lot of people confuse that. So that's right. why a lot of gay men, for example, are drag queens because it's the performance of it. They are not themselves um, trans. There are trans people that are drag queens also. So you have, you know, it's, it's, I can't say enough. The, the great thing, I think if nothing else, bisexuality really allows us to look at the world as a spectrum of many colors and, and opinions and personal relationships with sexuality and romance and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, none of which are black and white, just like the world is not really black and white. Yeah. And do you think though that ultimately there's still a masculine and feminine sort of core to someone when you meet them? I like, I don't mean I'm not personally, I don't, I don't find that I'm personally attracted. I mean, I can say there are women I've dated and I've loved, you know, part of what I've loved about them is how feminine they were or whatever. Um, and, you know, I have dated a guy that was fairly on the masculine scale. It's not, you know. Um, but would you I find yourself attracted more to men on more on a masculine scale than a feminine? Like more. Yeah, I mean, I think it really depends. I mean, I used to say that my types, when I thought I had types, mm. were that I liked very feminine, real women. And um, in the sense that, like, they had curves you know? Yeah. And, um, and when it came to men, I liked very, um, masculine, like kind of ideals. But the truth is when it comes to actually dating, I think that probably is true of women, but I've also dated really strong women who have more of like that masculine Mm -hmm. quality of like being headstrong and empowered and, you know, things like that, Yeah, uh, Yeah. which I find very attractive across the spectrum. And when it comes to, to, traditional males i kind of like the more sensitive soft kind of like the european yeah kind of ideal metro. of men metro yeah like the sexual. metro yeah and at the same time i'm not necessarily attracted to like very feminine gay men for example but yeah i have dated people like that so it's it's really i can't stress enough about the in- individual and speaking on behalf of at least a large percentage of the bisexual community, that's really what it's about for us. It's about the individual person. It doesn't mean that we don't have like, like that our sexuality is not complex. You know, they're like physical attraction. Certainly like I, I probably have preferences, you know? Now, when did you first notice or realize as a, as a kid uh, that you were sexually different, that you didn't have the normal expectation of being with a woman uh, and then get married and have a happy house with a white fence, right? Yeah. Uh, no, that's a good one. I actually would say I... Okay, so first of all, I was 12 when I first realized there was something different about me in my sexuality because I knew that I was attracted to women, but I also started to realize that I was attracted to men in a different way than just experimenting Mm -hmm. like most men do, as we know, um, with other men. And, Mm -hmm. and it was very confusing. Um, you know, we're talking about the nineties. So 
didn't really know what bisexual was. So I kept thinking that maybe I was going through this like phase. So was there a specific guy that you suddenly felt attracted to and you were like, wait, what is, why is that happening? Kind yeah. Of there were like two guys probably at my school that I was like, why am I thinking about these two guys? Mm. And they were very like charismatic kind of, I don't want to say they were jocks because you don't really have jocks when you're in middle school, but <laughs> they're sort of like, you know, aloof, you know, cool guy kind of a vibe. Yeah. Um, and then I was simultaneously like, you know, attracted like most men are at 12 to, you know, the spectrum of women that are around you and hitting puberty and all that stuff. Right. Boobs are coming at you left and right. Yeah. And, and you're, you're just like, so excited. <laughs> <laughs> that you're moment. Just like, I can't wait. I know the I puberty. Know. I remember running off into the woods with uh, friends and we, we had found a, uh, uh, a, a stack of porn magazines in a, in a dumpster. Of course. Uh, and then we ran up into the woods and we each found a tree and we were just behind the tree masturbating. It was just like, yeah, freedom, oh. you know? Oh, good for you. You guys actually like hid from each other. We did. We did. We weren't. I mean, I never personally experienced a circle jerk, but I know that that's also like apparently a large spectrum of men like have this really it's like, like hey guys thing where everybody's let's like get together. Gotta, maybe not anymore because porn you can now get on your phone so maybe that's like a thing True. in the past but like back in the day when you only had like one magazine between the five of you oh that, yeah we, didn't, we never had that we just were off into the woods and and you know but it was kind of one of those puberty free european things you know i grew up in switzerland and we would see women in their changing uh, in the public pools changing yeah. area right and you're just like oh i saw two boobs you right know? i mean when you're like 13 you're like, if you see a bra strap, you know, on an off the shoulder shirt on yeah, a girl, you're, you're just like you're the done. most excited, <laughs> the most excited. You're like, I just been. came, but I don't know if that, what happened? What happened? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you were 12, uh, middle schoolish, um, and you realized it was different. And were there other kids that you, that was, was there ever a discussion with someone that, hey, are, are you also feeling something like I'm feeling or you just kept it totally? No, to I mean, this was a period of time that, you know, I'm, I am very happy to say that I believe that kids who are teenagers nowadays probably do not shame themselves for being gay. But there was a period of time where I was worried that I was gay, but I also knew inherently that I wasn't. So was that, that was that uh, often were you called, I know we, we shared in another interview that, or you shared that there was name calling or behind your back talking about how you were gay and that, and that must've felt like, uh, you know, it's pro, I yeah, profiling, I mean, but, you know. you no, know, I mean, I, you know, I was an arts kid. So like I got into like music and drama and stuff, which, uh, is definitely not a traditional male thing. You know, everybody thinks you should do sports or whatever. And most, I really liked soccer, but for the most part, sports were kind of like whatever to me. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, uh, by the time I would say I was in high school, then there was a lot of sort of like passive aggressive bullying mm. about, you know, making shit up about me behind my back and stuff like that. I mean, it, what's interesting, uh, it's kind of a side note, but I was just thinking earlier that how much of what a straight man and woman create in their mind about what they're supposed to do, the future they're supposed to live, right? Marriage, kids, house, minivan, dog. Um, I have all that, but not the minivan. But, um, you know, how much of that vision or that um, ideal that was printed into their minds by society or their parents 
is actually kind of made up and not truly allowing them to feel into an actual person and let it let an attraction happen with a person yeah rather than an ideal i i right no it's it's a deep layered question i uh i did not have that drive to think about kids and stuff like that at a really young age i just wasn't wired that way i guess but you had do you think there was was maybe a bit of a an anti i don't want to be like my parents or have a family or it's chaotic uh growing up in a stressful household do you think yeah. that could have had an adverse effect well i think it does you know i mean you see marriages i mean i i think you know to some degree our parents always you know give us a little bit of their trauma i you know had parents where they were together they are still together um, but there were periods of time where they shouldn't have been quite yeah. frankly yeah. in my life. And, um, I think that probably to some degree informed this belief that I wanted to find like the person that I was supposed to be with, you know, I wanted like that great love. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know that I ever really like thought of it in terms of like family. I definitely didn't think of it in terms of kids. And I, I can honestly say for much of my life, I didn't think about any kind of wedding or anything like that. And part of that was probably informed by the fact that, you know, well, no, I don't know that I can say that either. Because what I was going to say is, um, for most of my teenage years, I kind of sexualized men and sort of thought of them as more like objects mm. on my like kind of sexual awakening and women were very much like about like relationships for me. Like they were not just beautiful and sexual beings, but they were also like marriage material, I guess for lack Mm, of a better term. Now do you, you had some abuse happening uh, when you were younger by an older uh, boy. Mm -hmm. Do you, and I'm hypothesizing, do you feel that when something like that happens to, let's say in your case, a boy in the early childhood, can that have an effect that, I'm not saying it steers you into direction, but it perhaps cracks open something that now allows you to feel comfortable with the sexuality around the same sex, in your case, man to man. Uh, could that have an effect on a lot of people who identify themselves as bi or even gay? I know that's a crazy theory to say, well, not everybody who's gay or bisexual was at some point abused. But do you think, I mean, I'm hypothesizing, is there a possibility that that helps to steer you in a, a less traditional direction sexually? Um, that is an amazing question. Um, and first of all, I want to say in my own personal experience, it's the exact opposite. In fact, I was very reluctant to do anything with men. I was certainly reluctant to think of men in a romantic way, probably because Mm. of the abuse that I suffered when I was younger. And in general, I just had a, a, a very, you know, um, implicit, mistrust of men and I really thought that men were like these horrible things and so as my as my body and my mind and my heart were you know like trying to tell me that I was attracted to you know multiple genders simultaneously I was like but I don't want to be with a guy because men are horrible Um, and I think that's what it actually informed for me which 
to your point, is the opposite of what I think a lot of people believe in, like the right. idea that like if you are you know, molested as a child, then like suddenly, you know, you become a gay man or something like that. Right. Um, there's also statistics that show, um, you know, scientifically that, um, kids who are bisexual or gay because they're dealing with more emotional stress because of that are easier targets that we are, we're literally basically more preyed upon because we already feel like outcasts, which for a predator is like, you know, like already the step in the door. Yeah. It's like the grooming is easier because Oh yeah. there's confusion, there's right. openness. There's confusion, there's openness. Yeah. You don't feel like everybody else. You don't have the traditional, you know, mm. American, all-American guy kind mm. of feel or whatever already about yourself. And then they, they use that. Crazy question. Crazy question. If we, uh, if we removed all inhibition from humans through say uh we drop like some mdma or uh mushrooms on people uh uh, that in the moment do you feel like if we were able to remove the inhibition that more people would feel attracted to multiple sexes um my personal belief is without removing the inhibition a lot more people are bisexual than they actually admit or at least have the potential to be that's how i look at it i look at it as love is love so i think that more people than not have the ability to find love with another person regardless of their gender i think when you remove the inhibitions and the social norms that are sort of like pushed upon us that probably that number increases even more so and i think it's because in that circumstance you're talking again like we talked about at the beginning it's the person all of a sudden, not right. their, it's not their sex or their gender that you're attracted to. Yeah. It, it's the person. Yeah, that's interesting. I certainly felt that myself before where I've felt attracted to men, but not sexually. Yeah. Just like, wow, what a great man. And I want to hang out. Like I have a date coming up on Friday with a man, not a sexual date. It's a really man date. Uh, with a guy who I just adore as a mentor or, you know, creative yeah. uh, father, husband, uh, person. Uh, so I'm really excited about that because it it will enrich my my being, right? But sexually, I've had an experience with a boy when I was like 14, I think. It was a neighborhood kid and his dad, That he definitely had an abusive uh, family. I didn't, although... I have some speculation there might have been some sexual grooming or something happening because I keep thinking about it. Like, is there something? I think there might be, but I'm not sure. Um, Speculating maybe with my grandfather. uh, I don't know, right? Could be. But I had that experience. And for me, it was like, wow, that was just a physical thing. There wasn't even any like... yeah. Uh, to to get not TMI, but there was no like love romance. There was none right. of that. It was just boom boom, and I was like really young, so I was experimenting. Um, and after that, it was women. It was like, oh, I love women. I'm sexually attracted to women. Now I'm the kind of guy. I'm open. Like I can look at a a transgender person naked and and still go, wow, they're they're beautiful. Yeah. Right. I'm not like, oh, right? And so I feel like in, in, a, in a sense, I'm sexually open or perhaps 
bisexual, what's the word? Um, I'm trying to... Bicurious or open to being bicurious? I'm uh, respectful to bisexuality, meaning I can get it, I can see it, I can feel it. I'm currently not in that, but I, I totally get it. You know, it's always made sense to me. Like, why would you just be... Uh, yeah. limited by some ideal or some social construct when you actually feel something. No, and that's that's great. And unfortunately, as a society, that's you're kind of not the norm. You know, there are more yeah. people that... But there's probably more, like you said, in the closet or not willing to talk about it. I yes. talk about it now because I have my podcast and I'm just in, in this space of like, let's, as I, as I continue... Um, uh, what's the word? Discovering myself. I will share what's there because it's just what's there, right? No, and, and so. that's great. I mean, I I wish more straight men were like that. You know, um, straight or straight? Straight. <laughs> I'm kidding. Great. I don't know. Just, <laughs> just throw in that general, in. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, there's a couple things to unpack. Um, a, you know, men used to be encouraged before about the 1950s to have really close relationships with other men. And that's something that our society has, has tried to like kind of. As a kind of a mentorship build. or. Yeah, like the mentorship. Yeah. Bisexuality was far more accepted as a whole as a mm. sexuality before like the 1800s, basically. Um, and that goes all the way back to like ancient Greece. Reminds me of that. Remember that film? What was the film? Was it called Far From Heaven? It was about the husband who ended up uh, cheating on the wife with a man, and he is it done in the fifties? Beautiful. I think it was Todd Salons or uh, who directed it. Is it Far From Heaven or something? Heaven. I don't know. It just reminded me in the fifties. It was just beautifully set film in the fifties, and everything was perfect. And the, right. the American dream and the white picket <clears throat> fence. And here, the husband is at the bar drinking and then having sex with a man. Right? It's like right. Well, and I, I would, I would venture to guess too that most men really want close relationships with other men, and again, it's discouraged in our society as a whole. There's a lot of homophobia and biphobia around it in general. Yeah, and I think, especially like, I mean, you want to talk about the '50s where men like weren't allowed to feel, and and like, I think a lot of times men just really want to actually be able to have like a close. Relationship. Yeah, like, I mean, one of my fa- one of my best friends since we were kids. One of the best things about us is like we feel like we could tell each other anything. Like I had that relationship, and we could talk about sex and we could talk about girls that we were you know really into and and stuff like that. And I I um, to the earlier point, I think there is a a vastly unknown number of people in the world yeah. that are more open or curious have the yeah curious or have the potential to be attracted to other genders or they've done it but they're embarrassed to talk about right or they think that the that they're wrong and have having had that one experience um or their parents are literally beating it out of them yeah i mean there are also you know a very sad when you talk about marriage there are a sad number of marriages that have been destroyed by you know, a man who I believe was just basically trying to understand his, the full spectrum of his sexuality, right. like stepping outside of the marriage to find that with another man. Well, this, uh, so I just looked it up. It's called Far From Heaven is a t- 2002 American period drama film written and directed by Todd Haynes, starring Julianne Moore, Dennis Quaid, Dennis Haysbert, and Patricia Clarkson. Uh, 
yeah, I just remember watching it and it's very well done. And Dennis Quaid is the husband and he's just like, you know, like breaks this whole ideal, you know, heaven, I right. guess. He so. destroys the white picket, yeah, picket fence. Totally. But, uh, you know, my, uh, this is interesting because my dad, and I don't, I don't know if I told you the story and I don't know, I'm not sure if I've shared this before in, on, on an episode here, but he, this is, this is crazy. Okay. So my dad passed away of cancer. I was in the U.S. He had uh, cancer in the esophagus. My mom was already hiding it. She's like, yeah, your dad's just going for a checkup. And then, two, you know, two months later, well, he's still in the hospital. And so gradually she's like, well, it's um, a little more serious than they thought. Instead of just telling us up front, it's cancer. So by the time I got there, he had passed away because it was like, boom, done one day. And I remember being in my bedroom with my ex-girlfriend and I got the phone call. Your dad's passed away. And I was like what the fuck, you know? So I went back and uh, my mom calls my brother and I into the living room after the funeral. And she says, you know, your dad left you something. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know what to expect. And um, we went into the, from the living room, we went into the laundry room. She had, there was like a safe in the laundry room. And we went in and my mom brings out the safety deposit box. It's like this, you know, Swiss bank kind of silver thing that you slide in and out, right? We're like, okay, what's in there? So she turns around. She's like, well, I'll just give you a moment. She went outside. My brother and I open it, and inside the safety deposit box is a black and white gay porn magazine. Huh. And that's it. And so I was like, uh, that's not exactly what I had in mind, what my father would leave me after he passes away. Wow. But I felt, now looking back, I feel like it was his very... Uh, it's as expressed as he could be, you know, and in his limited expression, he was trying to say, I was living kind of a arranged life, but underneath it all, I, I think he was gay or bisexual. Yeah. But he had the family business to take over, the wife to marry, the kids to have, because it looks good and you have a family business. In a small town, Switzerland, in the 60s or 70s, to be known as gay or bisexual, having a hotel, that would be weird. Pe yeah. People would steer away, right? stay away from it. So bringing this up because that's made me think, okay, so my dad was a suppressed gay or bisexual man living in the, I mean, mostly having to be in an arranged life, like 50s, 60s, and 70s. It was tough, you know? So... Dying of cancer makes sense because he, he would smoke and drink and he wasn't an alcoholic or anything, but he needed stuff to just keep yeah, he him was repressing. He was repressing, yeah. distracting. And so no wonder we weren't deep because if we had gone really deep, he might have had to reveal something that he knew he can't, right? right? So anyway, that's my personal story, talking about probably more men out there today that are suppressed, that are in the closet, that, that are ashamed of their experiences. And so what I'm hearing is potentially some freedom in the future that we can all say, hey, I've had this experience, or hey, I'm attracted to this guy or girl or... Right, right. Yeah, ideally, no, that would be ideally. Great. No, it would be great. I mean, I, you know, again, speaking from my own experience, I really um, suppressed a lot of the my uh, attraction to men for a long time in my life. I really focused on women because I kept telling myself, and this is something that most bisexual people will tell you, that if I could 
be with either, then I should just be with a woman because it would be easier. Also, we right. didn't have gay marriage when I was yep. really, I mean, not just high school, but also college. Gay was still, st- it was like starting to become acceptable, but it was, there was still so much homophobia. I mean, there still is to this day. There is. I mean, it's yeah. an, incredible. And, um, you know, um, unfortunately, there's also a lot of bi-phobia, not just in the straight community, but also in the gay community itself. There's a lot of... Biphobia? There's a lot of biphobia from, from of gay and lesbian. Yeah. Really? Yes. Why? Um I I don't want to personally speak to that. I can only speak to my experience of having gay men who were very, very negative about me saying that I was bisexual, that it was like an affront to their existence, that you know, that I was I mean, there's this constant dialogue that you're just like on the way to gay or whatever you know on the way you, to gay you know yeah is that going to be our podcast episode on the yeah, way to I mean, gay seriously <laughs> um you know and and you know meanwhile i'm like trying to repress all this stuff anyway so it's why i did not um have any kind of real relationship with a man until i was 28 so that was largely due to you feeling that it's just easier if you're it's staying easier in the lane to stay straight yeah, yeah. And that is something I think a lot of bisexual people in general experience. But when you want to talk about men in today's world and why I think there's so many out there that don't feel comfortable coming out of the closet. Yeah. Uh, it's because of like this society. What about, what about married men, right? Like in the case of Far From Heaven, that film, there's a married man who, you know, not everybody gets into a marriage let's say a straight marriage because they are uh, blinded by an ideal. They might not actually know that they might get into it, yeah. get married and suddenly realize, wait a minute, I'm actually, there's another dimension to me, but now I'm sort of like quote unquote locked in. Well, yeah. And people got married earlier. You know, I mean, if you, if you haven't really had the chance to explore who you are, you know, you make it into a marriage and you may still really love that person. Yeah. And, and then realize there's an entire other side of yourself and your sexuality that is very, that feels very inherent to you as your identity. It's part of you, yeah. That is a part of you and you've never explored it. And I think that the more, you know, repressed you feel in a relationship like that, um, unless you, you know, have a partner that's gracious enough to, you know, have that, honesty yeah. and stuff like that, you're, you're basically um, just lying to the world you're you're living a life that feels yeah. imprisoning uh and that's you know what do you what is what are men in this case right in your case what do you think they're most afraid of hearing if they were to say hey i'm announcing it to the world i'm bisexual Ooh. um I'm going to answer that. I'll start with some statistics though. So the average bisexual does not come out until they are 26. That's the median age of bisexuality. So kind of young, I guess. I mean, I know it's not 17 or 16, but... Well, if you compare it to now um, gay people, they're coming out as young as like 14 and the median age for a gay person, whether it's a man or a woman, um, or actually even trans is now on the rise as well. Um, We're talking about late teens so there's a there's a gap yeah yeah so that's the statistic yeah that's the statistic 
Um, with men, I think there's, there's a lot. It's, um, I always say being a man and coming out as bisexual feels like you're giving up your masculinity Yeah. because every person is going to look at you like, Oh, well, you're willing to have sex with men. So that means you're not like a real man anymore. And, and women look at you like, Oh, well now I don't know if you, you know, are man enough for me or, you know, whatever the dialogue is. So is it, but there's that feeling. And then simultaneously, as I said, unfortunately there's still a large stigma within the LGBTQ plus community, um, with gay men and, and lesbian women that there, there's a lot of that as well, which is either the, you're not ready to say that you're gay yet, which by the way, just to put it on the record, I would say bisexual people in general would ask the question, uh, why the hell would we come out as bisexual? Because in reality, it's harder nowadays to be bisexual than it is to be gay in the current society. Mm. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, why would I pick the harder right. identity to live and, you know, get more and, you know, almost feels like negative feedback. Right. And it feels like being gay now is like the new straight. Whereas if you're bi, yeah. you're the new gay. Like, right. I mean like, it. Yeah. I mean, it feels that it's like you, again, you're getting it from both sides in terms of yeah. people giving you negative feedback and, and um, I if you what? want to talk about media representation, right? Which I believe media, and you know, as somebody who works in the industry, I believe that media is a reflection of the society. Yeah, I do not believe that media informs society. I believe no. it is. It never does anything that doesn't already exist in our society, or at least in our psyche. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and so having said that, what I will say is, you know, we have a lot of great. Um, gay and lesbian content now. I think it's very mainstream. And, and transgenders coming Transgender out. Transgender is in a really, I think in a really great upswing right now. They're getting really great representation, not only in front of the camera, but also behind the camera and mm. getting to tell their own stories. Yeah. Having said all that, bisexuality is still largely invisible as a whole in our media. If you look at the entire spectrum of film, for example, mm-hmm. There is there is a very small handful of any male bisexual representation that is open and honest about it and uses the word bisexual and and women it's gotten slightly better. I was going to say men is more unconventional still, right? Because because if I look at it from a straight male point of view, when I uh, see porn where a woman has sex with a man and women, to me, as a straight person, that's hot. Right. And you still think of it as straight porn? I think of it as straight porn because it's almost like it gives the women a permission to be with other women because that's hot to me. Right. Whereas if it's turned around, if, if it's a man... And I will say a lot of straight men... Um, would agree with me probably and say, yeah, 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 that's really hot. And, and it's part of the straight. But mm-hmm. then if we jump over and we see the same group of men, uh, I'm going to leave myself out of it for now because I seem to be not quite in these, I seem to be more of the exception. Um, 
of openness and curiosity. So most straight men, if they would watch the same scene, but now the guy's having sex with a guy as well, and the woman, that would be mostly, I would assume, I don't have those statistics, looked at as eh, kind of eh, gross or not. I don't want to see that, or that's not needed, that's not straight, that's not for me, that's a weird fetish, I don't want anything to do with it. Right. So that fetishizing of two women together with a man is is so much more accepted in, in a male-dominated yes. industry yes. like Hollywood. That is entirely why, I believe, in the last 20 years, you've seen an increase of the portrayal of bisexual women, especially on TV, and they are actually starting to get good representation. Um, this is bisexual women. Bisexual right? women. But what if you actually in relationships with men and women? And again, there's that fetishized, you know, like it's hot to straight men. So it's okay. Yes. And I think that has driven a lot of the conversation, not just in Hollywood, but in our society as a whole as to that being more accepted. But that's for the, yes. But, but women though, if women would watch. So, so this is interesting. Isn't it kind of similar that women would most likely be okay watching a man have sex with a woman who's also being with a woman versus women watching a man having sex with a woman and another man is penetrating that man? What I'm trying to say is like, couldn't it possibly be that there's also a mindset imprinted in, in, in women that uh, uh, a man and a woman having sex is such a, a, a pr- protected union that now you're adding another man and it's now uh, fetish, gross, uh, gay. I don't know. I'm right. speculating. I have no, no I mean, idea. I think gay is the word, the right word. Right. Yeah. And, and so for a, for a woman, it might not be a turn on because she wants her man to be straight if she's straight, right? Who, what kind of woman would that be okay for? Is that a bisexual woman? Or because no, it, I mean, I I think in reality any woman could be okay with that particular situation. Sure, I mean, I'm sure. not gonna speak for women. Let's say the average woman who's married who is shown a clip like that uh, might not find it a bisexually attractive image because it's the it's basically a, a gay couple and a woman has been added. Right. Well, you're talking about. You're talking about a perception, you know, right. about masculinity again. Like it all go, it always goes back to that, right? Because, like I said, sure. so for like a male, you know, um, for a male, you're you're giving up a se- a certain sense of what society deems as masculine to say that you're bisexual. Because like the minute you're with a man, there's that like gay sense about it or whatever, right? right. And, and then there's that like loss of belief that like you can satisfy a woman that you know there's all kinds of that stuff but i and, wonder well and huh? and just to tie yeah. back into the media side of it um uh you know what we have in gay in terms of gay media as a whole is a very sterilized version of um those characters so i mean not not just the stereotype of the gay male that's like very like effeminate and like could not possibly, you know, like p- 
please a woman in that way is like the like safe. You're talking about like modern family type of settings. Yeah, exactly. It's like what they call like the safe gay male, which is like the gay male that like can be in your household because there's no way that, you know, that gay guy can possibly take your wife, you know, from you. That right. that kind of thing. That is how gay culture as a whole has kind of like made its mark. Like, I mean, that's where it started. I mean, I think it's getting much better. Certainly we're getting complex characters, but mm. that's, that was how they got gay into the, the average American family, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, um, I think it's a lot more threatening for, you know, whatever made up insecurities to start to portray men as, having the ability to satisfy both men and women and people right, of other genders. Right. Well, that's interesting because if say your bisexual women are feeling more accepted in mainstream because the uh, male dominated industry shows uh, these threesomes with two women and a man as hot and normal and great, right. we love it. What could the opposite side do we would have to make it okay for um, for the, the the bisexual male to start um, uh, getting acceptance from both men and women, so that mm -hmm. if that's in the media, it's seen as I don't know about hot, but is seen as accepted or one version of this right. sexual fantasy. and as a real person, you know, instead right. of just a fetish. You know, you'd also right. have to have right. gay men accept by men you know yeah that's a that's a weird thing that oh well, you mentioned that i've never thought about that that a gay person is like oh you're just you're just not there yet you haven't chosen gay yet you're just like still confused or you're on your way to gay right, right? <laughs> yeah it's so weird because i mean it makes sense now that you mention it but i never thought about that because it makes then that's what i meant earlier it makes the this gay person that's telling you that seem a bit like the straight people who are anti-gay you know it's like yeah. What are we doing? It feels the same. I mean, it definitely does. And it, and you can you can it's a very thinly veiled insecurity that's very obvious, you know, that yeah. it feels like their identity, like they're fighting for their identity to have meaning. Well, they don't have an identity saying, themselves. They're they're clinging on to the, the gender identity rather than who they actually are because right. if they were okay with that, they would allow you the freedom to be with whoever the fuck you want to be with. Right. Because that's who you are, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, and then add into the assumptions about everything, right? So let's say a bisexual male marries a woman. Everybody in his circle is now going to assume that he's straight. Yeah. If a bisexual male marries a guy or even is just with a guy, suddenly he it's gets gay. pulled into the gay community. And in the reality, um, a lot of what it's like to be bisexual in terms of dating, social, yep. friendship, whatever it is, you're constantly moving between these two communities that neither of which is really you and kind right. of both is, is you. So yeah. it's like straight world. You have to like have a toe in and you also have to have a toe in gay world. And then you're also, it's like both and neither at the same time, all simultaneously. Yeah. 
um, may as well move to a remote island and just uh, fuck whatever shows up and nobody knows about it. And you're right. Like, yeah, yeah, I was with a donkey last night and there's a woman tonight <laughs> and a man tomorrow. Um, I'm not certainly uh, suggesting animal sex here, just as a disclaimer, but I was joking because in the end, it really, it comes down to preference of the moment. Right. Because yes, you can the never... The LGBTQ right? plus community does not include bestiality or LGBT pedophilia for the record. Plus, what's plus? Everything that LGBTQIA will follow. LGBTQIA plus is the current full. What's a- AI? We're gonna have a sex is with robots. Asexual. Oh. Most asexual people want romantic relationships with people. They're just not sexually aroused. Okay. By by anybody. anyone. Yeah. Okay. I is intersex. Q is just queer, which basically is is becoming more and more of a blanket term for anybody who's just essentially their sexuality or gender identity or both does not fit into the mainstream. So it's LGBTQAI plus? QIA plus. QIA. So that encompasses everything that we've talked about. So, and the plus, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. The plus is kind of like a bookend that keeps moving out when new ones come in. Well, and for, you know, for all of your listeners out there, what you really have to understand what the actual community looks like is um, you have gay men, you have lesbian women. Then you have trans people, some of which are, in terms of sexuality, are straight or gay or bisexual. Then you have the bi community, and we're kind of this giant, beautiful umbrella. And underneath us is people that fall into different gender categories. So they might not be, they might be male, they might be female, they might be trans, they might be non-binary, they might be intersex, like all kinds of things. And then you've also got you know, the bisexual male, you've got, you know, um, people who have different versions of, of, you know, anything underneath the, what constitutes bisexual essentially. Mm-hmm. We're like this giant umbrella and we sort of lovingly hold space for everyone else that's not gay or lesbian. Mm. And that, that has tended to be kind of where the community has found itself in the last couple of years. So I guess gay or lesbian or straight. Right, unless you're bi, you can right. be straight or gay. I mean, bi is kind of like being straight and gay whenever you feel like it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like being gay and straight and neither all simultaneously. And, and you know, for a lot of people like myself, there's a lot of fluidity to it. You know, my, my attraction varies on a weekly basis. Um, like I said, I can't say enough. It always depends on the person. Right, right. So, yeah. Crazy question. Are there transgender strip clubs? Uh, I don't know. I've never been to a strip club, so. It's a niche. Maybe we need to. Anyway, yeah. what if there was a transgender strip club right now, picture, picture <laughs> one, picture one, um, and we would go there, do you think we would find more men or women? Hmm. I, uh, from my understanding, there's more of a fetish in the male community about transgender people. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of psychologists. No, of course, transgender includes both, right? Yes, both male so, and women, trans people. But I would, I would probably come up with the same guess. It's more men fascinated with that. I wonder why that is. Because I'm, yeah, I don't most really women know where are the like, comes from. like, yeah, I don't, it's not. Mm. Right. And, and you know, all the trans people I know are such beautiful human beings just in their soul. Yeah. Um, but what's also interesting, and, and this is like, I have to work this in. 
most people don't realize that a trans person can also be straight. A trans. Yeah. 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 Because I, I know it's a little bit trans of a... women are are basically just women that were born in the opposite sex body. So it was a man. But they're still just women. So if a trans woman only dated men and was only attracted to men, she would be straight. Straight. Yeah. yeah. After the operation. Or not operation, but well, no, before after and the after. determination. Yeah. So what have we not said about it? Let's see. Um, you said it's a bit silent or invisible. Very invisible. Again, is the not main a reason of... because it, you feel undecided versus decided? No, I think it's just that people are much more afraid of a non, you know, uh, mono sexuality. You know that there's fluidity yeah. to it. That it's not black and white. That you know, it's not 50-50. Right. That, you know, it's it's more complex. And it, and again, it involves the human instead of just the sex Sexual. of your partner. Yeah. And that's why a lot of bisexual people don't really feel like we have a community per se. It often feels like you're walking life by yourself. Mm. Also bisexual people, I mean, you talk about coming out. Bisexual people, it's like constantly coming out. So, you know, a gay person can come out once maybe, you know, yeah. they go, you know, they go to their family and friends, like they come out as gay and they're always going to be perceived as gay. Whereas like a bisexual person comes out and often it's like again and again and again and again, because whoever you're dating is who society then assumes that's your sexuality. Yeah. But the only choice that society makes is gay or straight. Right. It's amazing to me that, uh, you know, all this talk about like, straight and gay like you said it's all boxes right we're trying to box people right. in and when you come along and you say i'm bisexual it's like well wait hold on which box you go into two boxes <laughs> secret option c yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the the big box the b the big box um but what what is it about um why are we trying to control this this, this gender identity what's this box game all about ultimately some fear yeah um I experience it as a lot of fear. I think that there is this very strict idea of what normal looks like, whether whether you were born a, a man or a woman. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, gay still kind of fits in that box, you know, because it's still a man and a man. Whereas you know, bi is, is the other, it's the secret option C. And that is, I don't know why it's such a threat to society because again, there are many instances over the course of human history where bisexuality was, was the default sexuality. Yeah. Um, that every, I mean, everybody just assumed that you could have relations with whoever. Um, well, two things come up. Yeah. Um, First of all, let me add a plug-in to bisexual. Uh, let's add um, polyamory. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, I'm assuming if you're bisexual, you could be polyamorous or not, meaning you could date one sex uh, committedly, just one person, or you could do the plug-in, meaning you could <laughs> add another partner. H have you done that where it was both sexes and you were polyamorous or dating two people at the same time and everybody knew about each other? Or? Right. So this is why the label conversation is so cool, right? Because 
the more you dive into bisexuality, the more complex the labeling is, which to, to my personal belief is why we need to move away from labels as a society. Yeah. But I am personally extremely monogamous. I have never mm. been in a relationship that I wanted to step out of. I've never like any serious relationship I've ever been in. I've been fulfilled by my partner. And so I have never wanted to be in a polyamorous thing. Now, having said that there, um, there is also a lot of love and like acceptance within the bisexual community for poly people because poly people are not all bisexual by the way, right, right, right. They can be gay. They can also be straight. Um, it's just people that, you know, want to have real relationships with multiple people simultaneously, yep. which to me sounds exhausting, but that's because I put so much energy into my one relationship. Yeah, it can be exhausting. I mean, I, I definitely could see uh, from some of the friends I've talked to how much time and energy they spend on, you know, just, yeah. just keeping one relationship alive is a lot right. of work. <laughs> Two, three. Oh, that's, come on. That's that's like my, I mean, again, I'm wired to be monogamous, which is why I am monogamous with my partners. But that's it's like a thing. Like I think it's amazing Another if thing. you if you're a person who's poly and you can keep up with all these relationships and you're just giving love to more people. Exactly. I yeah. And I think it's uh, the, the statistics I found is less less. Uh, usually, they don't have kids. And, and, I, and it's not a label or a judgment. It's because once you have kids, you're so busy. There's so little energy and attention left. You couldn't possibly imagine. I mean, some people are doing it. And I, oh, commend, yeah. and I, I commend know poly them. people who have kids. Yeah, and I is, commend them. It's amazing. I, I, like, can't even, I can't even figure out how they have hobbies still. But uh, exactly. they do somehow. And again, they're doing things that I think basically seem like magic to me. Good for them. You know, if you can love... Ultimately, what this all comes down to is is love. And I think right. th there's something I heard recently I'll share with you, uh, and then I'll make a point, is that supposedly feminism was not necessarily created or started just to empower women, but uh, the Rockefellers were at play there uh, realizing if we empower women and they can go out and have their own career, we can tax two people. So it became mm. a... Uh, Makes sense. Economic kind of thing. And that made me think, well, that's probably the same with trying to put people in boxes so they can be straight or gay and be married and they're not like uh, constantly fluid and flying around because you can't then control people. You can't tax them. You can't box them into something and monitor them because they're like butterflies. Right. Well, they are. I mean, you know, you want to talk about, for example, the Bible. And, you know, there's, there's all of that around the, the text that talk about like that it's a sin for, you right. know, a man to lay with another man. In reality, that collection of uh, passages is about a lifestyle choice that was for the health of that population, which is why there's also like no shellfish in it, because at the time it was incredibly yeah. detrimental to people's health and people got like sick and poisoned and died and stuff. So, and they needed to repopulate. Right. Themselves. I mean, it, you almost wonder, like, was it back then decided during those times by the church that, you know, if we create this nuclear family of the husband and the wife, uh, they, they can be taxed as a family and as right. a, right? It's like very segmented. This is exactly what everybody's life looks like, particularly. Whereas then you look at like the Greeks, which were pagan for the most part until they weren't. And, you know, they were much more like 
mentorship and new ideas and right. let's explore and let's build these incredible, you know, monoliths all over the world and, and things like Were that. Were they the Greeks bisexual? Yes. Yes. Bisexuality was very accepted. Back then when everybody I mean, was tan. Alexander and... the Great. That's right. Alexander <laughs> the Great. Yes. Was actually a bisexual male. Oh. See, back then everybody was tan and oiled up and yeah. buff. Yeah, and everybody Greece, was just having, I mean, you know, having fun with whoever. You know, it was, come on, it was fr- it was free love, kind of like in the sixties. And but. I think there was the stealing fire from the gods. What was it like? Uh, they probably the Prometheus. Had, yeah, they probably had their own uh, uh, psychedelics and you know feeding each other grapes in the sunlight. I mean, beautiful romantic idea. Yeah. I mean, back Explore. then love was love. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And. You know, uh, not to say that we need to go back to like orgies or whatever, but... um, Nothing wrong with orgies. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, you know, I think what it comes down to and and what any bisexual person will tell you is that it's the individual. It is your personal experience with your sexuality, your relationship with, you know, your partner or if you're poly, multiple partners. And it doesn't really affect other people unless... You know, right. I mean, part of the, I mean, to your point about taxing, part of the reason I think some of the arguments that were made for gay marriage in the early stages of it before the Supreme Court decision was about the ability to tax gay couples, basically. Yeah, totally. Makes sense. I mean, you know, we have such a system, right? And if you suddenly come along and you're like, well, uh, let's just, let's do away with marriage. Let's just love each other. Let's raise, right. raise children in tribes again, in villages and help each other out. It's too fluid. It's too, you I know. can't influence and control Fluid, that. which is a dirty word, but is like the most beautiful word to most bisexual people in my experience, especially myself. But right. yeah. And, and, you know, let's, let's, let's also cape into context. Marriage was, not originally about committing love to one another. It was a financial right. exchange. Exactly. And for, and then after that, you know, in the 50s in America, especially, it really became about raising families in a very nuclear way. Yeah, and I, said. I see the arguments nowadays. You know, I see the conservatives say we should stick to the traditional family model. And I see that underneath that, what they actually mean is that they're, they're actually afraid that an, an unstable uh, uh you know family unit will produce kids that are not well off and healthy and you know that kind of stuff now i see the argument because i go well yes no matter what sexual identity or what fluidity you're going to choose when you have kids uh, it needs to be a strong unit. I don't care if you're gay, lesbian, whatever. Right. You guys have to be on the same page. You have to be on the same page. You have to bring the masculine and the feminine energy to it, which usually, even gay couples, there's one more masculine, one more feminine. It's a, it's a, a yin and yang that, that's needed for the children to, to grow up. They don't need a man and a woman, that's my belief. They just need those two energies that they can balance. Yeah. Right? And this is a really great segue. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hopefully blow some people's mind again. So what I it. learned from being in a long-term relationship with the first man that I dated, and he was gay, what I learned is that there are no gender roles in a relationship, that it is a fluid exchange. So sometimes I had to be the strong one and I had to be the organized one. He uh, loved to bake and cook 
I cleaned a lot of the times. Like the minute you remove like the ex the exterior gender roles in a relationship, you realize that there's no gender. When I look at my parents, for example, my mother is the masculine energy in my yep. family. A lot of my women father are. is the feminine energy. Yep. 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 That's how my family was. Right. And it's, it seems to be one of those things that's really hard for people to grasp. But if you really step back, you're like, the energies are all there, but it's not necessarily coming from one person to the other. And I think a lot of toxic masculinity has, you know, grown out of this belief that men have, you know, have to really a- forcing it down. And it becomes very abusive, obviously. But that, that, that brought up another theory that's closely related to my earlier thought is that I've had this floating in my head uh, uh, for a while and it's, it, it might get a lot of heat once it's out there, once I say it. But there's this theory, what if the um, being gay or bisexual, including that, comes from a imbalance of the masculine and feminine in a traditional uh, gender role. So in other words, your your mom was in the masculine, uh, your dad was in the feminine. Uh, could, that have, could that have twisted your view of the gender roles? And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, right? I'm saying, could that have added to that? Same for me, that was the same kind of twist. And when I first had my first sexual experience, it wasn't with a woman. So I'm just thinking, I wonder if we did some a study of how many, many you know, uh, let's call them alternative gender identities away from straight mm-hmm. would have some kind of childhood where th- th- they were forced to look at the, the, the male and f- the female differently already because it, it was reversed, right? And again, I'm not saying it's a bad right. thing, but no, could I that mean, have anything to do with that? No, you know? uh, I'm sure that some psychologists have theorized stuff like that. I can, I mean, from my personal experience, I kind of broke that ideal because in my relationships with women, especially in my late teens and early twenties, I was extremely the strong masculine energy in the relationship. I was very like the chivalrous kind of like opening doors, taking care of her kind of a person in those relationships. Yeah. And dating a man at the age of 28 actually forced me to not be that, but that's, that was my default in relationships despite Mm my upbringing with my parents. So you really experimented with what you felt like, who you felt like being with whoever you were with rather than being right. the same way all Correct. the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, 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 is that, is what that, I venture to guess is I think you can be informed by your upbringing in almost any area of your life. I think ultimately what you do is you discover with your partner what works for you. Right, right. Yeah, a friend of mine used to call it... Um, uh, relationship by design, right? You you just design yeah. it together. Together, yeah. And what's There's great no... about being bi is that when I'm coming into a relationship, no matter what, I'm kind of automatically always going to be designing. Yeah. Whereas, you know, when I was when I was younger and I was just dating women, it's like there's a, there's a default mechanism to that that kind of exists. But even, even then when I look back, I still think, you know, that person dictated certain things about our relationship. So no matter what, as you said, you are designing it together. And I think it's, I think it's a fear of going back to our earlier offline conversation about being in control. I think it's a fear of not being in control so that if let's say, 
you suddenly fall in love with a with a man, but you've always been with women, instantly you're going to go, well, A, it's not right. What does it mean? But then if you just let go of the control factor and you go, well, let's see where it goes. Right. And then there's the uncertainty of how's it going to go? What if it doesn't go well? What if it damages my image? There's a bag of fear yeah. that, that will just force us back into, let's just do what's expected. Let's yeah. just be with a woman. It's yeah. easier. I like mean, you said. that's a perfect case study too for, you know, I'm um, somebody finding love while in a marriage, for example. But really to your point, I mean, all, all of that stuff is true. It's, it's, um, you want so badly to just fit in. And like I always say, I was born to stand out because I would never, I was never going to fit in, Mm. but there, there, there is that, that desire to try to find that thing that, you know, makes you feel normal or whatever. And it's just a control mechanism. And, and you're right. it, It comes down to fear. You know, you're afraid of how other people will see you. You know, you're afraid of what it means. You know, if you fall in love with the same sex. Right. Yeah. Or even in the, in a case, in my case, right, if someone's married and has kids uh, and you suddenly go like, hmm, yeah, I don't think I'm living the right, the real life, right? What does it mean right. for the kids and the upbringing? I'm a big believer that if that were to happen to me or my wife where we're both like, you know, let's just, uh, we got to explore something here, but we're still, you know, you stay good parents, you stay connected, you share with your kids what you're going through. Cause what you're essentially sharing is like, I'm, I'm reinventing myself. I'm being authentic to who I am in the moment. I want you to do the same thing, right? You don't have to do what I'm doing, but I think that can only lead to amazingly powerful kids versus the fear of like, don't tell them, let's not divorce, let's not, you know, the fear we have of letting go of that control. No, and it always comes back to honesty, right? I mean, it doesn't matter any family unit, regardless of what it looks like, that relationship depends on you being honest with each other. And the control that we've been talking about, but really the fear of any of these circumstances, you know, is, is what can ruin all of those relationships. And it's, it's interesting. I think that this sort of, uh, touching base every once in a while, my wife and I do that. We just did it actually last night where we were just like, okay, we're back to roommates. Okay. Let's look at this. We haven't really hugged or spent intimate time together. What's going on. We just kind of, we get back into it, you know, and it's needed because we can easily drift apart, but now take that to the next level, right? Somebody having to say, Hey, um, I'm actually bisexual, not straight. I can see why a lot of, especially men are in the closet or are afraid to come forward and say, you know, I am bisexual because the society's not, not set up for it. Nope. I mean, it's terrifying, but you're also, you know, it's, I mean, talk about the, the mental health of it. Uh, maybe we'll go back to that later. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you're carrying around these huge secrets that make you feel like less of a man that make you feel like your love for that woman is wrong. Maybe, you know, whatever the, you're ashamed of who you are. You're ashamed of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And when it's, it's part of your core of who you are as a human being, I mean, you know, it's part of your identity. It's really difficult to walk the world, not honest about that. I mean, there, there are countless stories of, 
of, um, you know, men and women who were by that, you know, went to their grave and, and you see when you look back at their lives, the detriment that it caused them. Right. And the people around them, you know, because again, when you have a family unit and one of the people in that unit is holding onto something horrendous, you know, just, just not fully being themselves, not being honest with themselves, you know, you're subtly teaching your children not to be honest with themselves about who they are. You know, you're, you're teaching your children to swallow something that's uncomfortable for society. Right. And you're teaching that to your kids. So then they grow up and think, oh, I'm not supposed to be different. Exactly. And that could then relate to anything, not just sexual or identity, gender identity, but it's anything that they will start to question themselves. Well, I guess I'm not really wanted or I'm not okay. I'm not normal. Right. Um, By the way, fuck normal. Yeah. I don't don't mean mean, seriously. Really. It's like. Normal is the worst construct it's, it's, it's an illusion because normal, you can only arrive at a normal if you survey a population and then slice it an average and go, that's the norm. Right. So, but the norm itself doesn't exist. It's people in this study that exist and they're all different. And we've sort of standardized the shit out of that. Yeah. Which is uh, not good. Right. And in the study, how many of the people involved in the study were actually honest? Right, they were right. filling out their forms. Like and I said, I mean, a lot of uh, bisexual people are so afraid that you find that they won't even admit it on like closed anonymous surveys. It is hard. I mean, look at, but the, then I look at our politics, right? And I look at, if you look back at what happened with Bill Clinton, right? Getting caught. And then there's all the, the sexual abuse that's going on in the Catholic church. Like the, the authority of, uh, out there can't keep it together but they're telling us not they're telling us but we feel like we have to be in a box right and look i mean i mean the catholic church is a perfect example of when you put somebody in a box what pain has have people suffered i mean how many countless numbers of children have been molested because millions of priests i mean it's yes. it's millions but and now it's the uh the, the, the now the it's the boy scouts boy scouts right? six thousand at least cases in the united states that they know about hundred thousand i heard yeah but that are covered up covered by up, the organization yeah. and now that's just two organizations imagine the the many more and we don't need to see or hear many more we get it they don't need an organization to cover up stuff like that and, and it's just, it's squirt, yeah. like you said, you stuff them in a box, it squirts out from wherever it can. Right. And again, cycle of abuse. So every single person that abuses yep. someone, that person that was abused, um, there's, I don't know what the actual statistic is, but there's a large percentage of the statistic that then that person becomes an abuser. I mean, it's, it's a yeah. cycle that never stops. There should be like an evaluation like, Oh, hi, I want to be a priest. Okay. Was there any sexual abuse in your family? Yes. Right. Okay. Moving on next. You know, like maybe you can go to therapy for that <laughs> before you become a for a couple of years, please. And then we're yeah. going to monitor. We're going to put a little bracelet. Yeah, on then you. maybe we won't put you near. You know, really like young children, young <laughs> children that are you know just trying to in, like understand their spirituality. Or whatever. I mean, it's it's incredible the amount of. Um, but but again, I'm not blaming. Um, these individuals as a, as a group, right? I'm not labeling them all as evil. They're just hurt people who got hurt by other hurt people. Right. And I think they're passing it on. I think personal responsibility is incredibly important, especially if you're talking about abuse 
And I think as a society, we have to start taking responsibility for what we have caused and what we have allowed. And I think that we are responsible to some degree for allowing this stuff to keep going because of, you know, the fear based, not allowed to talk about it, you know, cover ups, you know, all this horrendous stuff that has allowed people to keep abusing. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we're, we're sort of, now in the abuse land, but I think we are looking at the negative effects um, of suppressing identities like gay, bisexual, uh, or obviously the traumatized, the abused. I think it all has to be just thrown out on the table, seen for what it is, and then you just choose what feels right. Yeah. And uh, you decide you may change. You may suddenly be gay in five years or you're bisexual or straight. Right. Or maybe you don't label yourself because you're just going to end up loving whoever you love, you know? Right. But um, to that point, we have to start somewhere. And again, with things like a complete lack of media representation of the bisexual community as a whole. Yeah. We have to create a baseline so that people feel like they exist more than just, you know, by themselves in their own head. Um, Yeah. While we're in the negative effects of it. Statistically, um, bisexual people are have higher levels of depression, anxiety um, than other gay and lesbian people yep. and versus straight people. Yeah, makes um, sense. I mean, it's how they're, it's their, the image that they have of themselves in our society. Right. Well, like 60 something percent of men, for example, who are bisexual, they're 60 plus percent less likely to come out of the closet than a gay man. And the suicide rates for Mm. the suicide or attempted suicide rates for bisexual people as a whole are one in three. Wow. That's high. Yeah. Hmm. And again, you're talking about, again, I mean, it makes sense when you think about living your entire life, having to swallow your identity because it's not accepted in what feels like anywhere, you know, you can't go a lot of times to the gay community and feel like you fit in there. Right. Interesting. That makes me want to, makes me think of my dad. Like, I wonder how he got his fix during the marriage. I mean, if he was truly bi or gay, you know, when did he escape and get some Nugan Dugan going, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, you have to wonder, I mean, there's, um, countless stories in Hollywood with celebrities. Mm -hmm. Um, And the truth is, in a lot of those situations, we don't even know how they identify themselves. So, you know, in a a very suppressed society, um, what's hard about the bisexual conversation is you don't know if that person was bi or if they were just gay and but needed, you know, the wife to cover it up or whatever. We're talking about Tom Cruise. Uh, we're talking about <laughs> Can we talk about Tom Cruise? Many, I love Tom Cruise. Many uh, celebrities over the yeah, course yeah, yeah. of film and TV history. It's actually also happening in the um, soccer community. I'm a big soccer guy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of soccer celebrities that are bi or gay, but they have to sort of live the straight life because if you think of a gay soccer player or a bisexual soccer, it distracts almost from that image of the perfect yeah. soccer player. You know? No, I mean, I'm sure football is even worse. American football. Yeah, I don't know too much about American football, but it seems very macho, very straight, right. very like, right. very, we're doing yeah. this, boys. Toxic male. Yeah. Yeah. 
which, um, which might not even be accepting of. Yeah, I'm sure I mean, there's some. How but. far down the rabbit hole can you go? I mean, to this day, there are so few out bisexual celebrities as a whole. Yeah. There have been which some ones? who have come out and had lots of backlash like who? because of it. Um, I would say Evan Rachel Wood is kind of my hero as a bisexual person. She is very adamant about talking about it all the time and being unapologetic about it. Mm. There have been other people like, uh, for example, Nico Torlelli, who's uh, non-binary, who came out as bisexual. And the story goes that a bunch of people online were then like negative towards it. So then he actually switched to a, a what is essentially a different label for bisexuality, which is pansexuality mm. because it's because um, people outside of the bisexual community consider it to be more inclusive. If it's pan, gender, if it's pan versus bi. Right. And there's this weird war that the media kind of placed on bi versus pan people. And in reality, in the community itself, we all amongst ourselves were like, no, we, we're fine. We're all cool. Like, we don't, yeah, we're yeah. like, say, call yourself what you want. You know, mm-hmm. who cares? Um, so it, again, there's just a very, there's a lack of, um, just general imagery, just the general feeling of, of visibility as a yeah. whole. And it's, and the mental health reflects that. That's obviously the sad part. Well, um, should we go get lunch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this, I mean, what talk, else can I talk about? I mean, this yeah. sexual talk makes me hungry. Uh, well, um, I think this was a pretty good exploration. That's a different sexuality. Exactly. Um, it's the calorie, what do you call them? Uh, calorie sexual. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we've covered a lot of ground. Is there anything yeah, else you want I, to leave our listeners with? All I want all I want people to know is that bisexuality is beautiful. It's a beautiful umbrella that means many different things. And, and ultimately what it comes down to is, is like you keep bringing up. Every person has their own individual identity. That's what's beautiful about them. That's what's unique about them. Yeah. And um, the more we push society to come from that place when you meet new people when you date new people the better the future of humanity because love is love i will add to that i think that's beautiful that you know if um you know if we're meeting someone and we're connecting to their soul and then having sex becomes more of a celebration of that that connection then it doesn't really matter who you end up having sex with because you're celebrating a connection, right? If it's a more like a, a an addiction, a sexual, just like using people, that's not going to go well in any gender identity situation or community. But I feel like if sex becomes the celebration of that union with that person you just met, then I would say, what's wrong with that? If both people are in agreement and you're celebrating something, have at it. Go! <laughs> Well, thank you, Aaron. For, agree. <laughs> thank you for this wonderful conversation. Thank you. Pleasure. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the megaphone to talk about something that people are afraid to talk about. It was awesome. I can't wait for this one to go spread like wildfire. Woo! This was another episode of You Love Life. Until next time, be yourself, love always, and enjoy your life. 